Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Shout amen. I'm going to do better than that. Shout amen. Some of, some of you folks have never said amen in church. It's, just, it's freeing. Some of you have grew, you grew up in churches you wanted to yell something out. You know what I mean? Like, ah! this is the kind of church you can do that. I would prefer it amen over that. But anyway, anyway. let me go ahead and give you an upfront. Uh, we're in an annual season every year since we started the church, actually, uh, over four years now called Legacy. And as we near the holiday season together, the end of the year, we start focusing on what we do. We really take intentional time over the last several weeks and, and going forward that we talk about what we've done together as a church family, the impact that you've made, the difference that you've made this year. It's always good to look back about how uh, uh, what you've done made a difference. And then we also look forward to what we can do together. And so today, let me be just very upfront and get, get so you know, today is Legacy Sunday. And that means at the end of the service today, we're going to receive our annual Legacy Offering. Now, you can give in the Legacy Offering today. That's how Brandy and I chose to do it. We came prepared for that today. Or you can give from now to the end of the year, till December the 31st. I, 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 we start talking about legacy about five or six weeks ahead because I want to give you time to pray and ask God and talk. And um, We had no certain amount that I'm asking you to give, but my hope is today for 100% participation. For everybody that calls uh, City Hills home or you've been blessed by the ministry of our house that you jump in today and say, I want to I accelerate the vision of the house today. And we've asked you for nothing. And by the help of the Lord, I never plan to ask you for anything. And it's not because I don't love you. It's just because you're not the source of everything that we need. God is our source. Say amen to that. But I do ask you to ask God because God's our source. So I've been talking to God and I've asked God to talk to you. And if you've been talking to God... We're going to move forward together in Jesus' name. Say amen to that. I hope that you've asked God. And if you haven't, I, matter of fact, I told our dream team this morning, if you haven't asked God, don't give today. Ask God first. Ask God first. Pray. Ask God first. And then whatever God tells you. I like to say it this way. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down anyway. I don't know why anybody would come to church and not, not take notes. But anyway, right, I, I want you to pray and then obey. Matter of fact, this is a good, that's just a good mantra for your life, to pray and obey. Obey. Whatever it is God tells you to do, do that. Pray and obey. Most counseling I have with anybody is, have you prayed about it? Yeah, well, what did God say? Well, he told me to leave him because he's an idiot. Okay, don't get married to him. Just obey what God told you. I'm not talking about married couples. <laughs> Y'all thought you were about to get out. Nope. I'm talking about beforehand. Pray and obey. And we call it legacy because God hardwired you to make a difference in the world. Did you know that? Did you know you weren't just put on the earth to just pay bills and live and have kids and two dogs and a white picket fence and then die and, and it's all over with? That would be a pretty miserable existence, I'll be honest with you. Or there's some people that believe this is heaven, this is as good as it's going to get. Also pretty miserable outlook if you ask me. But God did put us here for a very short amount of time, listen, so that we can make a difference with our lives. And, and I get this question probably more this year than at any time I've ever been. I, over 20 years of ministry uh, with Brandy together in vocational ministry, I've probably at, been asked this this year more than any other time. And that is, are we living in the last days? Are these the last days? Are these the last days? And I know what you mean when you ask that. And my answer, I, it, 
I'm honestly not trying to be smart, Alec. I just, I'm telling you what I really believe. I don't know if these are the last days, but I know that these are my last days. And here's what I mean by that. I've only got a certain amount of days, a short amount of days, as it were. I don't mean short, I mean a short amount of days. I saw some of y'all with your eyebrows up. A short amount of days to do what God's called me to do on the earth. So I don't know if this is the last days for everybody, but I know these are my last days. I know I never have another Sunday like today to do what God's called me to do. Are you awake today? Say amen to that. And so do you. And so we call it legacy because it's about living a life that lives beyond our life. I always read you the scripture around the legacy season. Psalms 112, David says, this is the best legacy verse I know. He talks about what it's like to live a legacy life. He says, good will come to him who's generous and lends freely and conducts his affairs with justice. Good. So in other words, there's something in this life that happens to you. How many of you would be honest and, and, and raise your hand and say, when I'm generous... When I live generously, it's amazing what happens. My life here gets better. Would you just, yeah, it gets better. It just gets better. But it's not the end. And a lot of people think, well, that's the, you know, if I do that, then my life here gets better. It does, but that's not legacy living. Legacy living is when you're generous here and your life gets better. Surely, listen, the Bible says you are not shaken, which we need more than ever before. And a righteous person, someone who lives this way, look at this, is remembered forever. That's legacy. That's legacy that what I give, that how I live my life lives beyond my life. That, that what I do for the kingdom, for eternal things, lives beyond what I live here. And so every year, uh, we, just, we have an opportunity to renew our vision, to build God's house together, to do more, to give away more, to help more people. And God has been faithful. Let me just go ahead and tell you, I got more to preach. Just hang on. Everybody just, y'all just squirm a little bit longer and then I'll preach to you, but. You have been remarkably faithful this year. God has been faithful this year. And I want to look you in the eye and tell you how grateful I am for you. Thank you. Thank you for being faithful and consistent for seven months when we weren't meeting together as a church family uh, in person. Thank you for consistently, many of you, I mean all of us, had to transition to digital giving. Many of you automated that important thing in your life, your tithing and offering during that season. And I'm just, because of you, I'm just telling you, we served more people we cared for more people, we reached more people, we prayed with more people, we gave more money, we built more kingdom, we planted more churches this year in a pandemic than the rest of the history of our church combined because of you. To God be the glory. Come on, to God be the glory for that. God doesn't do it without you. He doesn't do it without me. So I want to I preach the word of faith over you today. Here's what I've learned in days like today. I can preach to you about why. Or I could just increase your faith. Because if I can get your faith in the God that's more than enough, that's able to give everything that we have need of, generosity comes natural to people who believe in God as our source. In other words, you'll live your life differently if you'll view God differently, that God is able to do anything immeasurably, abundantly, above all that I could ask or think. If you, live, if you believe that about God, you'll live your life differently. Are you with me? So I want to give you a word of faith. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's Word. So let me, let me preach God's Word to you today. Very short um, message today, or at least I hope it will be, um, and I know you do too. In the Old Testament, there's a prophet, Elisha. For those of you new to the Bible, Elijah is a major prophet in the Bible, and Elisha is his protege. And uh, Elisha goes to Elijah one day, 
and says, I want, a, I want a double portion of your anointing. And Elijah says, real easy, you just got to be here when I leave. Let me pause and tell you, uh, if there's some stuff you just have to be present for. There's some stuff you just have to be present for. There's, I used to believe you don't get a sticker for just showing up, but look at me. There's times you just get a sticker for showing up. There's some stuff in the New Testament, the Bible would say there was a lame man that was by the pool, and the Bible said at a certain time the angel troubled the water. You know the people that got healed? The people that were there. There's something about being, I'm preaching good already without y'all. There's something about being present. Are you with me? And Elisha is present when Elijah is taken to heaven. He gets a double portion. And so now Elisha opens a school for prophets, which I think is the coolest idea. And when we build a church, I, our, some of our board of directors are here. I want to build a school for prophets. I just, I, I would love to release prophets into the world and in the last days. Anyway, so Elisha builds a school for the prophets, whatever that looks like. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's tuition free. Maybe they uh, forgive student loans, whatever. <laughs> Second Kings, if you have your Bibles, Second Kings 4. I'll read a little bit longer than I normally do, but I want to give you this whole story. The wife of a man who belonged to that school, to the company of the prophets, came to Elisha, who runs the school of the prophets. And she said to him, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that your servant, my husband, served the Lord. He revered the Lord. You know how he lived his life. You know the legacy that he left. You know that he served God with all that he had, and he's dead, and now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves, my two sons as his slaves. Verse 2, and Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Now, I'm reading it to you like that, but I think he said it like this, and? (laughs) I wish... I wish I had the intestinal fortitude of Old Testament prophets as a pastor. I wish when people came to me and and laid out, uh, and I go, okay. (laughs) Anyways, so Elisha goes, okay, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Underline that in your Bible. And she answers, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Verse 3, Elisha said, so go around, ask all your neighbors for empty jars, and don't ask for just a few. Underline that in your Bible. Don't ask for just a few. Don't ask for just a few. Most of the times you have not because you ask not. Most of the things God wants to give you, you just have to ask for. Most of the times we stop short of the blessing of God in our life because we've asked for a few and God has abundant and we just won't walk in abundance. We're 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 too are y'all are y'all gonna preach today or just me? I'll have another service where I preach by myself. And amen myself. Most of the problems in my life happen because I don't go to God first, I go to God last. God says, I want you to get everything, go ahead and ask. For all that you can ask for, don't get just a few. Bring it all and then, I love this, catch this, go inside, shut the door. Behind you and your, underline this in your Bible, you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it 
to the side. Verse 5. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought her all the jars that they had collected from their neighbors to her. And she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, who's there in the room, shut door behind her, bring me another jar. He said, Mama, those are all the jars we got. There is no jar left. Then, last thing to underline, then the oil stopped flowing. She went to Elisha, told the man of God, he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what's left. The great Catherine Coleman was a faith healer in, uh, in, in the 20th century, the early 20th century. And Catherine Coleman said uh, this, she said, I believe in miracles because I believe in God. In other words, in her mind, it was, it was the same. There was no separation. If you believe in God, it's obvious that you believe in miracles because God is a miracle-working God. You can't separate. So people who go, Pastor, I believe in God. I believe He can save me from an eternal hell. I just don't know if He can heal my headache, you know. Like, I believe he's able to do some stuff. I just don't know if he can do miraculous things. And Catherine Goldman said, listen, you can't separate the two. If you believe in God, you believe he's a way maker. Say amen to that. He's God, and so he does God's stuff. Are you with me? He does miracle stuff. He's, he's a miracle-working God. Do you believe that today? Would you shout amen if you believe that? I want you, if, you don't, if you don't believe anything else or hear anything else today, I want you to believe God still is a miracle-working God. Like stuff no one else can explain. Matter of fact, uh, the best definition I can find you of a miracle is a surprising and welcome event that you can't explain naturally or scientifically. It's a miracle. It's a surprising and welcome event. There's some stuff that happens in your life that's surprising, like I don't need any more surprises, but they're not welcome. You know what I'm saying? And then there's some stuff that's surprising and welcoming that's a miracle, kind of like, her marrying you. That's a miracle. <laughs> you know. You know. Some of you know who, who I'm talking about. Some of you, it's just a miracle you got married at all. And your mom and daddy can amen that. Like, it's just a miracle that any of this happens. It's surprising, but thank God it happened. It's a welcome event. A miracle is, is, a miracle is when God sort of walks into time and does something for you and I that we couldn't do for ourselves. If you don't pray anything else today, I want you to pray this. God, I am open and I am, you are welcome to do a miracle in my life. Say amen to that. God, you're welcome to do whatever miracle you, something surprising, something I'm believing for, something that seems impossible, something there's no way can come any other way unless God steps in and performs a miracle. God, I want you to hear me today. I am open and welcome to receive a miracle from God, say amen to that. And let me be up front with you. We need a miracle in our church. We need, we need a miracle here. We're looking for property. We're looking for a building. We're looking for a shed. We're looking for a barn. I'm trying to just get whatever you got. We're looking for a garage big enough for all of this. We're looking for land to build it on. We're looking, we need a miracle. And listen, I just I want to be very upfront. I'm very rarely this upfront with you. But in praying for this message, I just decided if she could ask Elisha for exactly what she needed, I could just ask God. We need a million to two million dollar miracle to buy land. Then we need a million to two million dollar miracle to build a building on the land because I'm not really into tent revivals in August in San Antonio. 
I'm not saying no. I'm just saying it's not my first choice to be sweating and carrying on. We need a three to four million dollar miracle. And God has it. And God has it. And we need it. And we're open to a miracle. Say amen to that. So I, well, I told you, I got to just preach the word of faith over you today because that's really all I know to do to open up your heart to believe God for more. That God, just so you know, our church is poised and ready for a miracle. We believe that God has everything that we need and can work a miracle out for our church. Say amen to that. And you may need a miracle in your life, different than our church miracle. You, you may need a miracle in your marriage, something that seems broken beyond repair. You may need a miracle in your finances. I've heard too many stories about layoffs and furloughs and, I, I, you know, off for two weeks a month or, or had to move or, or there's, you know, they, they cut this particular position or the contract ran out. You need a miracle. You may need a miracle for your children uh, to come back to church. Uh, I think one of the hardest things is walking with a family who uh, knows that their children are far from God or their child has turned their back on God and just the hurt that that causes. And, and today you're in church and you're probably believing God for a God touched my child today. You may be a, a health-related miracle. There are people who are sick. There's a virus that's real and, and there are people who are hurting and you may need a, a, a health-related miracle today. And, and whatever it is, I want you to know God is a miracle worker. I want you to know God and I'm open and available for a miracle today. In the New Testament, the word miracle, listen... I try to teach you every once in a while. I'm a preacher by nature, so you get a preacher most of the time. But every once in a while, I try to teach you because I want you to catch uh, this. In the New Testament, the word miracle and the word power are translated from the same Greek word, dunamis, which means it's, it's, it, it literally, it's where we get the word dynamite or dynamic. It literally means the power of God. Not my power, the supernatural power of God. Every time we see miracle and we see power in the New Testament, it, it it's, this, it's the same word. So in other words, you're looking at things that you need God to do, but listen to me, it's never going to be in your power, in your strength, in my power, in my strength. It's never going to be because I could work it out. If God's going to do what you can't do, God is going, listen to this, God is going to use you so He does it through you and for you and in you. Now you didn't catch that and you didn't write it down, so I'm going to say it again. If God is going to do something for me, that's a miracle. Most of the time, almost all of the time, God is going to use me, you, someone, to do a miracle through you, do a miracle in you, so that He can work a miracle for you. In other words, you have a part to play in the miracle. One of the hardest things I have to do as a pastor is when I sit down with people who are broken and hurting and struggling and especially trying to find the will of God in their lives, Pastor Brandon, a lot of times I'll, I'll meet with, especially young and 20 and 30 year olds, say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Where do I go? What do I do? Why, why doesn't God just show me? And the, the hardest thing I have to tell are people who are dealing with or struggling with addiction and, and problems they've carried with them or hurt that you've carried with you for weeks or months or years or decades of your life is that you have to participate in the miracle you got to be a part of the miracle. There, that God will do something for you, but He almost always wants to do something through you and in you before He does something for you. And so it is 
in this story. Every time in the Bible, every time in the I didn't put this on the on the screen, but you need to know this for your notes. Every time in the Bible, there's a miracle. It always comes with one of two things. You can't find any other miracle that doesn't come with either a question or an instruction. Always. Always. Always in the Bible, there is either a question or an instruction. Most of the time, there's two. Most of the time, it's both. When Jesus would heal the woman, he would say, what, uh, 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 what, where did virtue go? Who touched me? Question. When, when he would heal the, 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 the lepers, he would say, uh, you, go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. Instruction. Uh, when he, would, he, would, he would ask the blind man, when, when he healed, he said, what do you see? Well, I see men as trees. Question. Almost always in the Bible, when there's a miracle, there's a question and an instruction. The hardest thing, listen, for spirit-filled believers, uh, not y'all, but uh, the other people that uh, were at at the movies, not y'all, but a lot of people that I know struggle with is, I thought God was going to do it without me. (laughs) And God says, no, I'm going to do it with you. I want you to participate in the miracle that you're asking me for. You've got a part to play in the miracle. Shout amen to that. I want you to do something. There's a question. God is about to do something for us, but a lot of times He wants to do something in me, so He asks me a question so that He can uh, form something inside of me, stretch me. He's enlarging me as a person. Are you with me? He's, He's blessing on the outside, but He's enlarging me on the inside. He's stretching my faith on the inside. It, what, would it, what good would it do if God just dumped blessing on me and didn't teach me and grow me and stretch me and enlarge me? And, and tr- What good would it be if God just opened up every door in front of me and I never learned how to push on some doors in my life? <laughs> what good would it do if God just gave me fish and didn't teach me how to fish? There's, just, there's some stuff in my life I have to prepare for. God wants to do something in me. And he's teaching me and he's growing me and he's doing something in me so that he can do something for me so that I can impact someone around me. God never gives you something that's just for you. Never, ever. Well, Pastor, what about salvation? Not just for you. What about the, what, what, what about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Not just for you. Acts 2. Very, very, uh, you're going you're gonna to receive the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll receive power to... Be my witnesses. In other words, I'm, I'm going to give you a gift, but I, there's something I want you to do with it. It's never just for you. Never. The blessing of God is never just, and it's never just for us as a church. That's why we decided before we started the church, we were formulating our bylaws and how our church would be governed and how we would operate. We, we decided early on that we would tithe every dollar tithed to our church. That before we did anything else, at least the, the, the floor of our giving would be 10% of everything that we had would go out uh, our doors to reach people in missions and local and community and an outreach. Why? Because everything that comes to us is not for us. It's for something else. God, everything God, God gives to me, He gives so I can do something. So there's always a question or an instruction. I got a very short amount of time to give you what Elisha gave to her. Number one, the question, write this in your notes. What do you have? What do you have? Elisha asked her. She comes to him and says, Man of God, you know, you know I need a miracle. I've lost my husband. I've lost the source of my income, which was my husband. I've lost my job. I've lost my husband. And I'm about to lose my sons. And Elisha says, Okay, I hear everything that you've lost. What do you have? 
Let me pause here and tell you. In a year like 2020, and when we need a miracle, it's amazing on how much I focus on what I don't have and not what I do have. I always focus on I don't have any land. God, you know our church needs a building and we don't have any building. Or you'll focus on God, I don't have a job. Or God, we have no security. God, there's still no vaccine. God, I've been furloughed and I still don't have a paycheck. Or they've cut back and we're still not, I still don't have my full paycheck. God, it's either lost or losing and I don't, everything's gone and I don't know what I have. And I focus on what's not there instead of what's there. I like to say it this way. Write this in your note. If you're going to receive a miracle from God, you're going to have to stop focusing on what left and start focusing on what's left. Thank you for the amen corner in the back that says amen to that. If you're going to receive anything from God, you're going to have to stop focusing on what I've lost and what left and who walked out and how long it's been, and you're going to have to focus on what do, what do I have left? Who's left? What's left? How can I build with what's left? How can I move on with the joy I do have? I don't have everything I used to, but what do I do with the peace I do have? What do I do with the joy I've got left? What do I do with the resources I do have? I don't have everything I used to have, but what do I have left? What do I have left? Stop focusing on what left and start focusing on what is left. Left. What do you have? You know why? Because before God changes your circumstance, He always changes your perspective. Always, always. What do you see? What do you see? What do you have? What do you? Do? Who touched me? What? Who? Where? What do you see when I open your eyes? What? It's it, there's always a perspective change before God changes my situation. What do you have? What do you have in your house? What do you have? By the way, what do you have is not the miracle. What do you have is the open door for the miracle. What do you have is the open door for... I think uh, the other illusion that a lot of people have about church is that preaching um, changes you. Uh, um, so well-meaning people, p- people here, p- and I know what you mean. You'll say something like, man, that word changed my life. No, it didn't. Listen, the word opened the door for you to change your life. But the same word I preached that you said changed your life fell flat in someone else's life. You know why? It's the same word because the preached word is an open door that you get to walk through. It's an opportunity for a miracle. Are you with me? So Elisha said, it's not guaranteed. I just want to know, do you have an open door? I just want to know, is there a possibility? Do, do you believe that I can? Jesus is, is, is healing and he said, well, what, what will you have me do? There's a blind man. What will you have me do? And he said, if I'm blind on the side of the road, it's, what do you think? Uh, my eyes. That's what, obviously, obviously that's what I need. I'm on the side of the road begging. This is obviously what I need. No, no, no. I just wanted to know, are you willing to open the door to walk through the miracle? That's what preaching is to you every week. It's just an open door. That you can choose to grab a hold of, walk in, apply to your life, live, or, or you can leave behind. And, and so is the question, what do you have? What do you have? Most of the time, it's just an open door. And Elisha gives her an open door, and he said, what do you have left in your house? And she says the most 2020 thing ever. Nothing! Nothing is open! Nothing is normal anymore. Nothing is like it used to be. Nothing is working in my favor. Nothing's happening the way I thought it would happen. 
Nothing is going, I feel faith. Nothing is going good for me. Nothing is ever going my way. Nothing is closing this month. No one is hiring. Nothing is going the way I thought it would. I got nothing in my house. This is the most 2020 thing. Nothing's going good. Nothing's nothing's changing. Everything's the same. And it doesn't say it in the Bible. I think it's in the message translation. Elisha raises his eyebrows and he goes, nothing? It it was in the message where they have this conversation. (laughs) Elisha says, nothing? Because she pauses and she goes, except I do have a small jar of olive oil. I do have, I do have this. But she did what you and I do. She quantified the miracle. God, I wish I could preach it like I feel it. She quantified the miracle by her power. What she said was, I have nothing except for not enough. If she had enough, she would have answered with, well, I've got a few barrels of oil. If she had enough, she would have said, well, I've got enough income to last till the end of the year. If she had enough, she said, I have enough joy and peace to stay around for another month or two. If she said, I, I had, I had enough, if, if she believed she had enough, she would have answered differently. She said nothing because she knew all she had was not enough. And oftentimes when God asks, what, what do you have? You answer nothing, not because you believe you have nothing. You just know it's not enough. Here's the second thing. First thing is, what do you have? The second thing I want you to write down to, on your way to a miracle today is you're going to have to give God your not enough. I've just got a little. And I said nothing because what I had was not enough to pay the creditors. I mean, I knew what you were asking, Elisha, but, but in my mind and my power, I can't, I can't feed my kids on this. And I certainly can't make a business on this and sell and be able to pay my creditors of my dead husband. So... I answered nothing, not because I had nothing, but because I just didn't have enough. You may have came to church today with not enough. I don't have enough joy. I I tell people nothing, but I just mean I don't have enough. You you may be in church today with just not enough hope. You don't feel hopeless. You just don't know that you have enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough opportunities. I got that one job offer, but it wasn't. I mean, it was, this is all. This is it. It's just not enough. And she said, I, I, don't, I don't know what you can do with not enough. I don't have it. We don't have enough love left in our marriage. There's something, but it's just not enough. I don't, we don't have enough hope. We, they're just. And if you're ever going to experience the miraculous in your life, you're going to have to learn to give God your not enoughs. Because, listen, the miraculous happens when God, watch this, who is more than enough, takes your not enough, the intersection of your not enough and His more than enough is miracle territory. (laughs) The intersection of I don't have enough and the God who is more than enough is miracle territory. 
You want to know how to heal your marriage? You take what you have left. Give it to the God who is more than enough. And a miracle takes place. A fusion, a putting back together. No, no, no cracks, no creases. More than enough. You, 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 need, you feel hopeless today and, and feel like everything's going wrong and I don't know if it's ever going to be the same again. You take whatever little amount of joy you can get left, put it in the hands of more than enough, and it's miracle territory. All she can see is loss. I've lost my husband. I've lost my sons. I've lost my income. We're going to lose the house. I'm sure she's thinking she's going to lose her own life. I mean, but you do have something. And it doesn't have to be enough. Here, listen to me. It doesn't have to be enough. It just has to go to the hands of more than enough. Write this in your notes. What she had lost was painful, but what she had left was powerful. What she lost was painful. What, what you've lost, what we've lost in 2020 has been remarkably painful. But what we have left is power. I've lost my husband. I've lost my income. We're going to lose the house. I'm going to lose my sons. I don't, I don't, I don't have anything left except this little thing. And, and the prophet says, I know it looks small to you, but that's powerful. It's powerful. This year we've all lost a lot. It's been painful, but we do have something left. And, and, and Elisha says, go and get other vessels. and Don't get a few. And of course, for my illustration, I said don't get a few, and then I brought one. Whatever, I'm working on it. He says, go, go, get, go get a bunch of vessels. Now, again, <laughs> this is why I started the message with pray and obey. Because there's a lot of times God will tell you something makes no sense whatsoever to you. I don't know if you heard me or not, but this is all I've got. And you want me, you want me to go get a bunch of these. I don't know what you got up your sleeve, but this is not enough. <laughs> and it's amazing to me when people start struggling and then they miss church. You know why? You know why? Because you don't feel like you have enough faith. Why would I go to church? I don't have enough faith. And so we just say, well, it's not enough. And so we back up and we don't bring anything to God. And then it's amazing what happens. We lose the little bit that we do have. And, and so the prophet says, I want you to go get some jars and, 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 and don't, don't get just a few of them. And, and so you start realizing, now the miracle, listen, listen close. This is it. This is, don't move because this is the crux. You sat through the rest of it, the bad part. This is a good part. <laughs> The miracle's not here. The miracle's here. And the biggest misconception in modern Christianity is this is the miracle. It's got to be big and flat. The, the, the biggest misconception of postmodern, millennial, 30, 40, 20-year-old uh, Christianity is that it's going to always be this. It's going to always look like this or it's not God. It's going to always be this big or God didn't move or this isn't real or it's not working. But people who've served God 20, 30, 40 years, they know, oh, no, 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 the miracle's not here. The miracle's here. The miracle's always been in, in, in the small thing that I do have. Uh, listen, listen close. You don't get this by praying for it. You've got to catch this. Listen. You don't get this by praying for it. You get this by pouring this. Let me say it a different way. You don't get this by praying for it. You get this by sowing into it. This is a reaping vessel. This is not a miraculous vessel. This is the miraculous. 
The miracle's in the seed, not in the harvest. Uh, culture will tell you, if you give away all your apples, you don't have any apples. But you realize if I give away all my apples and I open them all up and take the apple seeds out and plant them, I make apple trees. And now the miracle was never in the apple. The miracle was always in the seed. And the miracle you're looking for is not in the... Are you catching this? Is anybody catching? The miracle is not in the big thing. It's in the small thing. And he said, when you put them, go get them and, and, and bring them all over. The big thing you're praying for. The, the, the big thing you're trusting God for. The, the big thing. And when you get it there, he said, I want you to take what you have left and I want you to pour it out. And it will not stop pouring as long as you have vessels. Gather Vessels. I didn't write this on your notes, but there's a couple of vessels you need. Faith is a vessel you got to bring to God. Obedience is a vessel you got to bring to God. Trust is a vessel you got to bring to God. He said, You bring all of that stuff to God. And, and, and when it's not enough, listen close, when it's not enough, she put it in the hands of the man of God, put it in the hands of God, the not enough intersected with more than enough. And every time she poured out the miracle, the miracle was not in the big thing. She didn't pray for it. It wasn't miraculous. That God could have just filled up all the pots with oil, but he didn't. He chose for her to pour out what she did have so that he could do what she could not do. Shout amen to that. It, it's more than you can contain. So that's why Malachi 3 says, it, t- test me, try me in this, and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing you can't. You know why? Because you, you're always going to, I don't have much, I'm just going to pour out what I do have. You, you, have to, you have to pour out what you do have. What, what do you have left? God, it's not enough. Okay, but give it. And pour it into the hands of more than enough. And the miracle, listen, the miracle that we're believing for and that you're believing for isn't this. The miracle's in my obedience with this. It's why, Jonathan, you can come play. I'm almost done. And music makes them think I'm actually closing. It's why, <laughs> it's why, um, it's why we've always, it's, it's why one of the values of our house is pursuing excellence because before we get the thing we're praying for, we're going to do the best with what we do have. So I, I, I tell you like this, if you don't wash the Ford you have, you won't wash the Mercedes you're praying for. You know that's true. <laughs> if you don't clean the one-bedroom apartment on the bad side of town you've got, you won't clean the ranch with the picket fence that you're asking for. Right? We're going to do the best we have with what we have. And, and, and look, write this down. If you'll pour it out, if you'll pour out what you do have left, God will make sure that you never run out. If you pour it out, God will make sure you never run out. And every time she poured, there was more oil to pour. The oil only stopped when the vessels stopped. Here's the last thing. Once you you answer the question, what what, what do I have? What do I have left? What do we have left in this season of taking away, of loss? And then, and, then you, and then you realize, well, what I don't have is, what I do have left is not enough, but you give it to God. Then, and only then, number three, you will leave a legacy. This is what I want for you more than anything else. Really, this is what I want for us more than anything else. I can go to heaven happy if we built something for future generations that we may never see realized in our own lifetime. Andy Stanley says it like this, the calling of God may not be something you build, it may be someone you raise. 
So what if we're raising missionaries? What if we're raising church planters who leave our church and plant churches in major metropolitan areas around the country? What, what if we're raising? What if we're raising bankers and lawyers and doctors and factory line workers? And what if we're raising people who just dream teamers who serve God with all they've got? What if we're raising kids who know how to go to 21 days of prayer and show up early and get in God's word and pray together? What, what, that's the legacy we leave. Verse 5, I don't have it on the screen, but just remember, verse 5 said it like this. She left the prophet and shut the door behind her and her and they brought the jars to her the miracle wasn't just for her the miracle was for them that's legacy the miracle wasn't even for me it was for my boys and and what I love about this story is she didn't just have the miracle on her own she didn't do it for her children she did it with her children she didn't do it for her kids she did it with her kids she said boys I want you to participate in the miracle that's legacy living everybody <laughs> that's legacy living now you know what happened after I, I, again in the message I don't think it's in this uh, copy but uh, in other translations you know what <laughs> the rest of the story they grew up and they believed in the miracle working power of God and they told their kids, her grandkids, you'll never believe what happened one day to Mama's house. You'll never believe. We were out of oil. And she took this little thing of oil, and the prophet came by and said, if I'll just give what we don't, the, the little bit that we have, that what's left, if I'll pour, then the miracle started happening. And, and son, you can believe for a miracle. And you know what her grandkids did? They had kids. And you know what they told them? You'll never forget what great-grandmama did. I heard this story from my daddy. He was there. And, and he said that, that when, when great-grandmama poured that little oil, it filled up. And legacy living started. And the prophet began to grow and legacy began to build because she brought her sons around and said, let's do this together. Let's do this together. That's why we do this together. It's why some people ask, why do you take a whole Sunday for this? Because I want you to live legacy. I want, to, I want you to be a part of the miracle. I want you to get involved in what God has for all of us. Last thing I tell you, he's playing the slow music. It's time. <laughs> then we're going to give. First Chronicles 28, 29. Tell a great story about King David and King David is sitting in his palace and this is a palace I mean this is this is cribs you know what I'm saying like y'all remember cribs <laughs> David is there and he's looking around and he's going man I'm living large and the Ark of the Covenant is out there in a tent on the dirt it's literally you can read it for yourself the Ark of the Covenant's out there in a tent in a portable church, I'm just saying. Out there in a, in a portable church, and I'm out here living large. And so David goes to God, because that's what you do. That's what I'm going to ask you to do in a moment. David goes to God, and he says, God, I want to build you a house. Read it for yourself. I want to build you a house. And God says, I think it's a great idea for you to build me a house. But just so you know, you're not going to build me a house. I want your son Solomon to you know why? Because legacy living isn't ever about us. It's always about who comes next. It's always about what's next. It's always about living generationally. He said, David, you're going, the, the throne of David will be established forever. Jesus, the Messiah, sits on the throne of David. You know that, right? It's established forever. 
But I want your son Solomon to get involved in the miracles. So I'm not going to let you build it. I'm going to let Solomon build the house. And then David, the, the, the modern equivalent, David collected of his own personal fortune, not the kingdom, his personal fortune. Most uh, theologians believe somewhere around 20 or 21 billion dollars he gave to build. He gave it to his son to build God's house. That's the legacy. That's what you and I get to be a part of. It's not enough. We don't have enough, but I'm going to put it in God's hands. I'm going to pour out what I do have, and it'll be more than enough. Bow your heads, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I preach the word of faith today to people who are faithful, believe in miracles. We believe God can do anything at any time. God could surprise a welcome event in our life, a miracle-working God. God, I recognize that we've lost a lot personally, collectively. And I choose today to focus on what's left, not what left. And what I have left, I'm going to give to God. I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give to you as an offering, physically and spiritually, and for you to do the impossible, a miracle. I'm asking you for a miracle. I'm asking you for a miracle in every person that sits in church today. Miracles of financial blessing and miracles of healing and miracles of hope and miracle of joy that's restored and a miracle of relationships that come back together. Let let this December be the season of miracles for you. Now keep your head bowed and I want you to pray this prayer and then we're going to stand and give. Just that simple. Nothing else. No coercion. No. I want you to ask God what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do with this, with this word, with the faith that I feel, with what I have left. How could we get involved? Brandy and I have prayed. What, 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 we've already came prepared, but maybe you didn't come prepared. If you have, just ask God again. God, everything I have is yours. I preached that to you several weeks ago that everything I get comes from God anyway. So you have access to it, just so you know, God. That house I have in Bernie, not mine, yours. The truck I bought, I love it. It's yours. Every, every, everything I have everything I have I gave my kids back to God I love them they're yours what do you want from me how can I be involved how, how could you use me for the miracle God my answer is yes come on tell him my answer is yes my answer is I'm ready and I'm willing and I'm doing it with joy <laughs> Father I pray for a spirit of joy right now I release the spirit of joy in this house I rebuke depression and anxiety and fear and worry especially in the area of finances and I pray for joy to be restored hope to come back that this is our time that God is working a miracle for us in our lives, in their lives, in our church in their marriages, in their health I pray for people who are sick right now. there are people connected to our church that are sick and in the hospital and Father I pray for a miracle I speak faith into hospital rooms pray for people at church online now who are struggling and sitting around a device somewhere. I pray for peace and joy and comfort into their homes. 
pray for faith to rise for the miracle. In Jesus' name, and everyone shout amen. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.